Good evening, everybody. Uh, this is the first mid-apocalypse edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. We are still transmitting. Um, maybe uh, when all this is done and uh, all that's left are soft-bodied humans uh, fighting over worms to eat, maybe some of these recordings will survive and um, give a, a glimpse at what humanity was once like. I am your host, Kyle Bird. With me, uh, I am joined by my co-host. Matt Parmley. Yes. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us who else is in the metaphorical room with us? <laughs> well, we have our uh, other pretty regular these days, Mr. Tom Jelly, whatever. What are you going by these days, Tom? I'm not even sure. What do you, what do you... Yeah, Tom's fine. I mean, he's in a week, he'll be going by Lord Humongous and terrorizing the locals for supplies. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, we're all hanging on by a thread. But, you know, as, as, the, as the symptoms, you know, ultimately take hold and you start feeling sick, make sure you go around your house, leaving up little sticky notes and... Um, and little scraps of paper so that uh, when the player comes by later, he can find all the diary um, entries that you left behind and get his collect all the information trophy. Um, oh. The hero I, I've needs. I've been leaving my notes in invisible. Ink. <laughs> yeah, the the yeah the the main character of of the disa- the big budget disaster film that we're in. Um, we need to leave something behind so he has some exposition later on in the plot. Um, uh, we also have Mr. Kevin Derendor from Mazer Patrol and author of Kaiju for Hipsters. Say hello, my Kevin. social distance here. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, and of course, um, I don't know if you this remember. Is the first time Kevin and I are uh, on a podcast together. No, I was, that actually ties into what I was going to say. This is, in case no one knew, judging by the people we have present. This is the Pacific Rim Uprising anniversary episode, uh, where we just are going to reflect on the importance and really long-lasting legacy and influence that that film left. Uh, only in a matter of years. You might actually years. be right about that. But I think it's about two years to the to the day of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Tom. Uh, yeah, Tom. I th- that you got the two of you did uh, Uprising with us. I know oh, that's easy. To, I know that. I know that's a for, very forgettable experience. But <laughs> oh man, hey, I got a bone to pick with you guys. Okay, <laughs> yes, we we've been waiting for this. <laughs> I uh, was listening to a recent episode of Kaiju Transmissions where you reviewed the Last War. Yes, and you got to the ending of the movie and you called it depressing. And it's just very confusing to me because as, you know, pretty much the biggest fan in the world of uh, King of the Monsters, nuke going off and wiping out humanity is a good thing. <laughs> uh, the world be a better place. Uh, you know, you're not wrong. Uh, we, were to- we were told that um, the- theoretically the world would be a better place if... Uh, some sort of nuclear terror like uh, giant monsters were to wipe us out. Their magic poop would refertilize the land and um, everything would be fine. <laughs> oh my god. Remember when we did the last war episode and we were, thought I we were on remember. the. And we thought we were on the brink of World War Three, and we were like, oh wow, oh, these yeah. are, these are really right. dark, horrible times. Well, I. I watched uh, Kinji Fukasaku's uh, movie Virus, Day of the Resurrection, recently, and, you know, just because there's a plague virus doesn't mean that we can't have a nuclear apocalypse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> being the opportunists that we are, I think we're going to be doing something with that movie soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, we could get both. Um, and, and isn't that, uh, if you if you've watched all the Planet of the Apes films... One of those scenarios will lead to a Planet of the Apes, whether it's a virus or a nuclear apocalypse, right? Yeah, I think every scenario does. <laughs> I mean, the way things have been escalating, we could be in the Planet of the Apes in a week. So, did you see that story about the town in Thailand? 
no, there's but like I'm some, afraid to ask. Like some little tourist village um, that you know just gets a lot of tourists. I think it's sim- it's it, I didn't read the whole the whole article, but I think the town itself is similar to uh, Nara in Japan, where like people go because the wildlife was just like usually like walking the streets peacefully. Uh, in Japan, it's deer. In this town, it's monkeys. Oh, I did see and, that. Uh, now that the tourists have all left, the monkeys are like having knife fights in the street over pieces of food and stuff. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> there are there are rival monkey gangs <laughs> that have taken over a town in Thailand. So um, we're we're there. Yeah. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, this sucks, and uh, I think I, I, the whole world is trying to process this right now, and um, I mean, a lot of us are going to be work not working and staying at home and not getting paid, and hopefully the government will figure something out to help, and uh, for the love of God, though, don't go out and don't go do things unless it's mandatory. I mean, I, I'm getting so upset seeing these spring breakers complaining about, well, plan this for three weeks and people cramming the beaches in Florida, like <laughs> just stay home. And if you're one of those people that's like, well, it's not even that bad yet. A, that's not true. And B, the, the that is the point of staying home and that we don't have huge spikes in these cases and things will even out. And the, the the more people stay home and do what the CDC says, the less the sooner things will get back to normal. They will get back to normal, but as of right now, the when is a big question mark because people are they, they don't know what to yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> um uh so yeah, I'll get off my soapbox now. Um Guys, I have I have a tweet from Michael Doherty that is two hours old that I need to that I need to Oh my to, god, are you serious? <laughs> wait, hold on, hold hold on, Breaking wait. News. Wait, is this real? This is real, yes. Somebody, okay. The only reason I know that is because somebody just tagged us in it, Bird, just just so you know. Okay, just, so, just get it over with. So Michael Doherty is, is, is quoting, his quote is, history shows again and again how nature points out the folly of man, you know, that terrible re- remix of uh, the Blue Oyster Cult song. But the, the original tweet... Well, that's that, the lyric without, to the song. Right, right, that's the lyric to the song. But, the original, but what he was replying to or sharing in his tweet was that without the traffic of ships and ferries, dolphins have reappeared. And he's doing that whole, hey, when there's less people, you know, everything gets back to normal thing. But that's his whole deal. He's like, hey, nukes are cool. If people weren't, the less people that were here, the better. And I would release monsters to make sure that happens because I'm a psychopath. That's he did his... say that in the commentary. Uh, I mean, he did, yeah. Yeah. He, he's not wrong in that, yes, humans are the worst and... Yes, uh, the thing a lot many things including the environment are better without us, but I don't know that now is really the time for that sentiment since we all do have lives that are very precious and uh so fuck him. I, I don't know what what, what else do you want me to say. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh man. All right, anyway, sorry to derail the uh <laughs> Okay. The timing of that tweet is just bizarre, though. I don't even. Is it? Is it? Yeah, he's he he knows what he's doing. I, I mean, Godzilla yeah. fans are eating this shit up, and it's insane. Well, they don't have a movie to go see. So. <laughs> well, that, yeah, oh, yeah we're we, we are like In as an... we're recording this, we are like within days of what had been the planned original release date of Godzilla. Versus In like Kong. a normal timeline, where we we are probably sitting down and doing a like a review or something of that movie now, right? Or we're getting ready to. Yeah, that and we're do- possibly <laughs> New Mutants. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that movie's never coming out. Let's just- that is one, because like, all the big releases are, are um, being uh, pushed back or made available on demand where you can rent it like for like 20 bucks, which honestly isn't that bad if you're like if you're going to go to the movies for yourself and one other person. That's cheaper than what you'd pay probably, but... Uh, I, that is one that I could see them just being like, just put it on, put on Hulu or Disney Plus. Like I don't know that that is going to get a theatrical release. That why at this point it was already doomed theatrically. Just put it on, on streaming. Um, 
So believe it or not, though, we're not talking about the uh, the end of the world today. Uh, we're not talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, what it's going to be like in two weeks when we're all living in a wasteland uh, and fighting over, you know, scraps of bread in the streets. Um, today we are talking about Howl, Beyond, Howl From Beyond the Fog, um, the short film... Directed by Daisuke Sato, um, that I think a lot of the fandom is aware. Um, I don't think a lot of people have seen it yet, um, just because aside from the Kickstarter backers, you know, it hasn't been sent to anyone. It hasn't doesn't have distribution yet. But uh, we have been lucky enough uh, to see it, and I know that it's having screenings at. Well, I don't know if it is anymore, but it was going to have screenings at some conventions <laughs> and things. Um, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I know we're talking about a movie that technically the masses can't really see right now, but I imagine when it does get to that point, when um, some someone awesome might pick it up for distribution, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll repost this so people can kind of catch up. But... Um, uh, we last left off with that. If you go back and listen to our recap of the films we saw at G-Fest last, uh, last year, um, we talked about when we saw a sizzle reel, which was probably roughly half of the film, uh, mostly the effect sequences. Um, and uh, so we'll get into, into that. Um, I think this is famously, at this point, one of the biggest... Um, uh, completed um, crowdfunding campaigns uh, within the kaiju realm. Um, um, Kevin, what what year was it that this was kind of announced? And um, you know, it, what what year was it when this was kind of getting rolling? Was it 2017? Ah, uh, that sounds right. Uh, it's uh, yeah. The, I mean, the crowdfunding. <laughs> Uh, it was it was successfully crowdfunded in late 2017. Okay. Uh, and that was you know after after they got uh, got Marase on board, and I think that was what really launched it. And it's unusual for a Japanese movie to be funded through Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. uh, they do have crowdfunding, but it's usually different. Um, so if you look at like Nezera, uh for an example. Uh, that one is being crowdfunded, but it's not going through Kickstarter. Yeah, and so. and and Great Buddha had like, it had, it had campaigns here in the states, and it had campaigns in Japan. Yeah, yeah. The, I think this just had the the one, unless I'm mistaken. But um, um, but yeah, the, I, you mentioned him already. The big the big name here, um, Keizo Murase. That's why this is such a big deal. Um, for those who don't know. Uh, he's probably one of the last living legends from the Showa kaiju era, especially on the behind-the-scenes side. I know a lot of the actors are still around, but um, he's one of the ones that is still alive on the... especially in terms of special effects, behind the scenes, things like that. Um, and what he was, he was a designer and suit builder, um, and he's done i mean so much now he runs a model company called 20 limited and i know they work on some kevin do you know what they work on i i i remember someone um mentioning that they did a, like a a queen alien model from aliens like stuff like that oh that's uh that's news to me so okay well okay but have, anyway uh, if you have the varan uh, DVD, the one, the Media one. Blasters one. Media yeah. Blasters. That's. I think you can still get it on Amazon, perhaps. Um, although a quick search is showing me maybe not. <laughs> um, but if you have that Blu-ray, the or not Blu-ray, that DVD, the old Varan Blu-ray, or again DVD, uh, he uh, has like he's in like a few of the special features actually. But the the really cool one I'm you're probably gonna mention is when he he teaches like he teaches like someone how to build a suit. Yeah, they, they, he makes a replica um, Varan. I think he makes like part of his back and I think a head. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty cool feature. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Varan. I mean, uh, Mothra. Um, King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, Dogara, and then I mean, he did um King Ghidorah, uh, Baragon. I mean, those are just some of the real famous uh suits that he built um but even outside of toho i mean um he worked on uh the uh the original gamera suit um gamera versus gauss um he he did yongari um uh uh the daimajian sequels he did um titanosaurus yeah yeah uh the seventh curse the chinese movie yes he he made creatures for that which uh, I think I'm the only one on this call that still hasn't oh my God, seen it. So good. <laughs> um, but also work on shows like Zone Fighter and um, Ultraman Ace. Um, and then uh, Mighty Peking Man, of course. Um, in fact, at the end of Mighty Peking Man, that's him in the suit falling off the building because the guy, the actual suit actor, um, was worried that they were worried he'd get hurt and he wasn't insured. So Marase did it himself. Um, and then it, when he was at G-Fest last year, of course, before one of his Q&As, he came out in a replica Mighty Peking Man suit that was made by Shinichi Wakasa, and he was, like, running around the audience, like, you know, terrorizing people as this big gorilla. We didn't know that, that he was in the suit. Uh, and then he got on stage and, like, took the mask off, and there's this, like, very quiet old Japanese man... <laughs> And it was him. So uh, the dude's awesome. Now, now, um, yes. So he he came on board as a monster sculptor um, and a designer for Howl Beyond the Fog. And like Kevin said, that's when the Kickstarter really like ramped up, and people were like, "Oh, maybe I should pay attention to this." Um, now, the origin of this kind of starts with Sato's short film, The Foghorn which was a black-and-white, practical-effects-driven uh, adaptation of the Ray Bradbury story, which, of course, is now most famous for um, being the basis for The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Um, and, of course, the Bradbury estate shut that down to the point where you can't even find the trailer anymore. All that survives is, like, some GIFs from that trailer. Um, hopefully we can see that one day. Now, um... But yeah, he wanted to make something like that and set it in. Uh, is th this is is this the Meiji period? Uh yes. Okay. Uh, uh, Meiji Meiji forty two. Okay. So. Um, and that that's really kind of the springboard for all of this. Um, now, Kevin, I know you said you had some notes on this. Um, is there anything pertaining to the background of it that? Um, you want to go over that I might be missing? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, it started with this, the the Foghorn was 2007, so it, this has been gestating for quite a while, and, uh, and you know, got basically, unfortunately, buried, but it's, uh, I think that that's notable that, that got a lot of Western fan traction, thanks to people like Avery Guerra, you know, sort of reporting on it online. Uh, and I think that that also probably helped Howl from Beyond the Fog, because when news was breaking of it, um, if it had purely been just a, the fan work in Japan without this sort of Western press coverage, I don't think as many people would have seen the Kickstarter and been like, oh, it's it's that guy. Uh, to Because so many Kickstarters come out of the woodwork and you have no context for if they've done anything before, but uh, because there was a trailer, it, it looks like the trailer is still available online for for the Foghorn. Uh, uh, a lot of people who are sort of longtime fans in the know would have been familiar. Um, so that much uh, is, is one aspect. Uh, another aspect that... And I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more. Is you know the Foghorn was done with live actors, but to sort of save on resources, Sato decided to be very economical and and have Howl from Beyond the Fog all done with puppetry, which, on top of being a cost-saving technique, is really uh, artistically interesting and 
I think that just really, I, I think there's a puppet wave going on right now because we have things like there's that show Thunderbolt fantasy yeah, right right that one, and yeah, uh, yeah Go- gojiban and uh uh one of the one of the inspirations for Hal from the um, the fog was uh x bomber or, or it was called starfleet when it's dubbed into english that just recently got a blu-ray release in in the states so uh, uh it's part of the zeitgeist i guess is this this fascination with puppetry well um I'll probably say this again uh, when we get into like the more like review part here, but um, I mean, it, it's always when you think that this genre is just out of ideas, that so, like that's a, that we there, that's such an original idea. You know, I'm gonna do a kaiju film. Not only is it gonna be set way back, you know, which I mean is a period piece that that there's only a handful of those already but we're going to do it all with puppets i mean they say yeah, I, it, if you're going to say there's no originally left originality left in the genre i mean that's clearly not the case the only uh kaiju film i can think that's set in the same period is the whale god and that's not yeah uh definitely not an overrepresented film no <laughs> it should be but <laughs> yeah it should be but yeah, nobody, nobody's seen that wonderful film either. Um. So what uh, did I? I feel like he was asked at G Fest, but Sato's Q and A was so insane that like I've only retained the crazier <laughs> parts of it. But did he, I feel like he did explain why he chose this time period? Does anyone? We were all in this room when this happened. Does anyone remember yeah. the answer I to that? I think he just said he finds it interesting, and he just kind of always wanted to see it. That was kind of my memory of it. He just said he's always kind of wanted to see a, a a monster movie set in this time period. He hasn't seen one done before, and he's just looking for new kind of stories to tell in this genre new things to do and and that was one idea he had was to do something in this in the meiji period so um i think i'm pretty sure that was about the size of it uh it wasn't like anything necessarily um you know uh, sort of like thematically important to this specific story he did say it was like a time period that he likes and finds interesting and so, you know, he was kind of fitting something into it. And also, yeah, he wanted something that was a little more unique. But, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, it's, you know, thematically relevant to the flight of the characters or anything. Not, I don't recall anything like that. It might be a little bit, uh, but we can we can get into that while we're talking about the plot. Yeah. Um, well, if it's what I'm assuming, unfortunately, that... <laughs> I don't know how much that's changed over there. Um, so, yeah, I guess we can we can just kind of get into the storyline, um, uh, which is about a character named Eiji, uh, who is returning to his hometown because his twin brother, he gets word that, I, I believe it says his twin brother has passed away, um, and he's visiting his estranged mother, um, to go to the funeral for this brother that he, I guess they were separated uh, for whatever reason, and he didn't really know. And then he finds um, in like a, some secluded room of the house um, his cousin, uh, Takiri, who is blind. Um, and then we get a little bit of the backstory with the two of them. Um, uh, the girl uh, was blinded... Um, uh, her mother, uh, so the sister of the character's, uh, mother, um, so, um, after she had the baby, um, I get it's, it's very heavily implied with a lot of, mostly with visual cues, that, um, it was a child out of wedlock with a white man, and the town is really, like, not taken kindly to her or the child, and they're saying, oh, did you see the kid's blue eyes, like, she looks like a freak, um, and mom commits suicide, uh, and attempts to drown the, the kid as well. Uh, before that she stabs her eyes out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, fun stuff. Um, and then, uh, so 
but she survives, and then the mom has kind of been taking, uh, uh, well, I guess her aunt has been taking care of her um, in, in secret. Um, and be, there's a monster up in the mountains that lives in this lake, this large body of water, I guess. And uh, um, it, it, I guess it's kind of implied that maybe since childhood, that was kind of a spot where she would run away to and relax and she formed a bond with this monster and, you know, the idea is, you know, neither of them really fit into the society and culture there. So they're kind of become friends. Um, and this creature, this big, uh, brontosaurus slash plesiosaurus kind of creature called Nebula has formed a, a, a sort of friendship with her. And then, um, uh, it, very similar to the Daimajin films, there's like this out this local government and this magistrate that are trying to get uh, the family to sell the land uh, so they can develop property there. Um, and you know they find out about the blind girl, and then it just gets ugly. And uh, eventually, Nebula gets into the town to exact his vengeance on these on these people um and i guess that's that's probably the most we should say about the plot i feel like i already gave away quite a bit um but it's a short film so it's not like there's like an overabundance of material here but did i leave anything out Nothing I think that hits the highlights. Critical to the yeah. story. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, so yeah, I think that's his... I mean, we, <clears throat> just that we we learn about all of this right through the AG character. Right, right yeah, I mean, he's that's... kind of the audience cipher. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's that's what it's about. Um, and now we can kind of get into our our impressions of it. I know that... We said when we got on here after G Fest and saw that highlight reel, we uh, I think the common consensus was it was different than anything that we'd really seen. The idea of puppets was great, and I think what really stood out for all of us was just visually. I mean, there's a, just so a lot of atmosphere. Um, I mean, in addition to an awesome Keizo Morase monster, I mean just a lot of atmosphere and a lot of real like i don't know craftsmanship um now that was that was kind of what we said when we saw that sizzle reel but now seeing the whole thing do you guys feel like those um that holds up to the finished product i i think it actually uh because the sizzle reel you don't get a strong sense of of the plot from uh, but I think especially with that, with that time period, uh, you know, the Meiji period is when Japan was getting Edgar Allan Poe and sort of, uh, some, some of his, uh, imitators coming out in, in Japan and a lot of the, the sort of plot points, you know, secret cousin locked away and things like that feel very much in that Gothic oeuvre. So I think having, having that uh, enhances the atmosphere of it. Is Matt alive? I I was I tried to chime in and realized I was on mute. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Matt, you can feel free to you feel free to go next now that we've found you. Yes, I I live. Uh, no, I mean I I think the atmosphere is great. the The score is absolutely incredible, and something that we talked about. Uh, from our first little sizzle reel, we were talking about how great the score was. It, it holds and rings true for the entirety of the film here. Uh, it's emotional. I mean, you're, you're watching this movie and there's these sort of terrible things happening to this character and you really feel for her. And then you feel that the relationship between her and the monster um, is, is actually really interesting, especially during the, the, the rampage sequence. I mean, I, I, I can't rave highly enough about how well everything is handled. Um, yeah, that would be my, those are the initial things that kind of come to mind. Yeah. I think all I can do is really echo that. I mean, it, it, it was, it was one of the coolest things we saw at G Fest, even though we only got to see 
what 15 minutes of it or so yeah um you know for for me there were definitely a couple things that i saw that i liked a little better but i mean you know you're talking about a a full finished thing versus a 15 minute sizzle reel but it was one of the cooler things that we saw at g-fest and uh it lived up to itself you know it wasn't it wasn't like uh that 15 minute highlight reel was everything. And, you know, then you sit down for the 40 minutes and you're like, Ooh, everything except for that 15 minutes was not there for a reason. No, it, it it all works together still. Um, and yeah, the atmosphere is strong and the, and the motion is strong. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, my, one of my first kind of impressions on coming away from it was boy, that there, it doesn't feel I'm trying to see, say how to think about this. We've done a couple short films on here, right? Where we talked about, um, Henge and right, we also right, talked yeah, yeah, about, yeah, yeah. I forget what the other one was called. Gaki Damo was the other body horror one. right? Yeah. And with both of those, you kind of felt like, um, they were almost stretched to get to that for, to their 35 minute run lengths. Right. With this, it this feels like forty minutes out of a movie. Like I, I felt like there's twenty or thirty more minutes here to to make this like feature length. Um, I can understand a bunch of the reasons why that would wasn't done. You know, budget obviously probably being like one of the biggest ones. But like, yeah, this this doesn't this doesn't feel like it's like stretched or padded just to make it feel like a, a film it it feels like a like a film like it, it it feels complete and it's it's awesome um no i i agree and and it's kind of fun i mean i i mentioned the insane q a which we won't get super into but one guy one guy was like <laughs> You know, uh, you know, you 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 said you still got a lot of like dialogue scenes and stuff you got to do, but like you know, you should just release it like this. It's fine. And like, <laughs> one thing I'll say is, especially for a short film that runs what thirty five minutes, like the human story is very rich. It's very, um, I mean, th- th- just within this thirty minutes, we have more of a meaningful human storyline than most kaiju films let alone you know the more recent ones and i think that like the people that are just like well it doesn't matter what the humans are doing who wants to see a bunch of dumb humans anyway i mean like oh that's what i wanted more of when i was watching this i was like right i agree wanted more of just hanging out with the with with the the characters yeah i wanted more of their relationship if you're a tokusatsu fan like it's all special effects. <laughs> right, yeah. In this case, it literally is all special effects, right? And they're still like, there's too many, wh- why human people? I don't get it. Like, But the, the, the human storyline in this is, I mean, better than most of the ones we see in the full-length movies that, that come out in this genre. And I, I think that's really a testament to not only Sato and his writing, and, you know, it, it feels good to see someone you know, realize that, you know, hey, this is an important component of any story, including the kaiju stories, and, you know, we need to do something with that, and there's a lot of stuff in here, and, um, like, uh, I mean, look what he's able to say about, I mean, current Japanese culture is still a little, has a little bit of the, that racist stuff in it, but look what he's able to say about that, look what he's able to say about, you know, the views at the time of, you know, interracial couples and interracial uh, kids. And, um, I mean, for obvious reasons, that kind of hits uh, a, a spot for me. But just in general, I mean, what what's what, what kaiju movie is going to tackle anything like that? Um, and then we have things like, uh, it, it, just to give him a little bit more... Uh, praise on uh, um, uh, originality and and ingenuity. I, I really liked the um, the flashback sequences are not puppet sequences. They're like this animate. They're these animated sequences that look like almost kind of moving watercolor 
paintings. Um, I thought that was really cool as well. I, I wasn't expecting to see something like that in this. Yeah, it's it's like a whole movie that just proves that there's still so much that can be done with this genre aside from, you know, just smashing toys together. I mean, for lack of a better word, um, and making CG explosions and all kind. you know, I mean, there's 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 a lot that can be done here and maybe this is what the genre kind of needs to do is, you know, go backwards to go forwards, get into some period stuff where, um, you know, you can, you could kind of talk about more timeless type of themes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so creative. Um, and that it's like this, it's this breath of fresh air into the, the genre at a time when, yeah, we're, we are getting a lot of content, um, but none of it feels like it's moving the envelope forward. And then there comes this. Yeah. And I mean, like stuff like King of the Monsters is really just like. It's just like a meat and potatoes Godzilla movie with CG instead of. Yeah, it. it it doesn't feel especially like anything we haven't seen. And I'm Other not, than the C. And I'm not even saying that is necessarily a bad thing, but it's like things like that are all we are getting. We're only getting that this, Pacific Rim Uprising, Rampage. Like they all kind of like blend into a big like blur of, <laughs> you know, of these expensive CG spectacles and then to see something like this and especially seeing something like this and then getting a, being able to see uh great buddha arrival which is just this mo the most bizarre thing and like you gotta hand it to these guys that are doing stuff like this because it's like whatever you think of it this is this is where things are gonna stay interesting it's gonna be these indie filmmakers that are gonna come out with their own voices and also like uh kiyotaka taguchi who does a lot of the ultraman shows he's done a bit a ton of short films that are all incredibly original and incredibly different um uh gahara is probably you know the most well-known one um but yeah it's these guys that are gonna be giving us new things that we'll still get Godzilla movies. We'll still get Kaiju movies, but this is the stuff we need to look for. If we're going to be like, you know, I'm sick of this all feels the same. Like, and, and there are a lot of people, especially, um, and I'm not saying this is a slam on the monster verse stuff. I'm it's fine for what it is, but people that are like, well, what do you, Oh, it's it feels the same. What do you expect? You know, but <laughs> This is, too high expectations. My, well, my point is that this this proves that there is originality left in this genre, which I think a lot of the time people, even within this fan base, say it's all been done before, and it hasn't. I mean, I I the guy that made uh, Great Buddha, he did one of those short films for the Toho Gemstone fan film contest. It was all about Hedera, and it was weird as shit. <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't know if any... I, I know I know Tom's, Tom watched it. I, I don't know if the rest, either of the rest of you guys did, but it, it was like, this guy is so strange, and he's out here making these kaiju movies. Like, I wish, I wish these guys could get on board. I, like, for example, when Toho inevitably does more Godzilla, like, Get these guys and don't don't put the leash on them. Just say, here's an actual budget. Like, run wild. What would you do? Like, that that's what is gonna make things interesting. But I mean, Toho is gonna be Toho, and I don't know, I don't know if that would happen. Well, no studios doing that, right? I mean, that's what people have said Star Wars should be doing too, right? Is like, bring it. Like, you're gonna do it, so you've got these people who who want to do it. You know, like, like I'm sure if if Toho said to Daisuke Sato, "Hey, pitch us a Godzilla movie," he's probably got two or three or ten ideas, right? 
you know, and and uh, and I, I I wish I knew the the Buddha guy's name off the top of my head, but I don't. But like, I'm sure he's got ideas. And but then they're gonna be I, like, I'm how sure... can we fit Mechagodzilla into this? You know, <laughs> well, I was just saying, and I'm sure I'm sure Yoshikazu Ishii has ideas too. Like, I'm sure there's people out there who want to do this and who have ideas, and so like, what studios should be doing, and we all know it's the same way with Star Wars. Like, what people should be doing, or what these studios should be doing, is like sit back, have like an open director kind of casting call and be like, pitch to us. What's your idea? And then like, even if you want to do a Mechagodzilla movie that you bring in someone who has that idea in the first place, instead of bringing in someone and being like, what's your idea for a Godzilla movie? Oh, uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's really interesting. You're hired. Oh, by the way, this is actually a Mechagodzilla movie. <laughs> well, now. I think like, you're you're basically summarizing what summarizing what happened to Kaneko, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, to some extent, that that gemstone contest was that. Yeah. Because uh, they they the the winner was basically given money to do this YouTube series, and another guy that participated was able to put Godzilla in the weird Mecha Train anime and things like that, but. Uh, it's it's in the right direction, I think, stuff along yeah, those lines. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that is cool, but yeah, when they bring it back on the bigger scale, you know, yeah. for a full-length feature f- film, reboot, whatever, I, I, I would like to see that kind of happen. And I mean, and even it's... Shin Godzilla almost comes close because that's very much the work of Ano. But even then, it was like, that took like two months of begging from Higuchi to be like, will you do this? No. Will you do this? No. Will you do this? No. Will you do this? Fine. (laughs) You know? He didn't go in to pitch them like, hey, here's my idea. You know, he was like, okay, Higuchi's a friend. I, sure, whatever. Here's, here, how about this? You know? So, yeah, I, I think that, I think that we, that's what we should be getting. Especially with, I mean, people don't really, I don't think people really understand that Toho's, uh, like, creative, uh, I don't know what to call them, but people in charge of the Godzilla franchise is just, like, it's a bunch of corporate guys now. It's not, there's no Tanaka or Tamiyama to really steer it one way or the other. So, I I think... If you look at when Tanaka was in charge, we had Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla versus Biolanti, like, things that contest winners actively contributed to so yeah bring back the contest the uh, terror of mechagodzilla was a contest too uh, yeah do something like yeah something like that yeah they so yeah they technically have done that before and they were like hey pitch us your ideas and it's like oh this one comes from a dentist okay uh bioengineered plant creature <laughs> um but no, to get back to how from how from beyond the fog, um, I guess uh, we've kind of tiptoed around it. But yes, it's a monster movie. What'd you guys think of the 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 monster Nebula and it being you know the co creation of a guy who's geez, how old? He's got to be in his is he in his eighties at this point. He's yeah. old. Yeah, born in nineteen thirty three. Oh wow! I did not realize he was. <laughs> uh, Nebula is awesome. I loved everything. the The howl, the 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 foghorn sound that it makes is just very. Eerie oh, I love yeah the the actual it, roar. Wonderful. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's eerie is the best word. It's it's yeah, the it's, kind of thing that like, if you heard in the middle of the night, it would send chills down your spine. I, the the monster itself is wonderful and has. The, the the way that the monster is able to interact with people in the in the movie is great, and the rampage is awesome. And there's there's nothing I can say that would be negative about the actual monster. I think, um, one of the things I love the most is seeing the emotion between the the monster and the the, the lady character. I forget her name at the moment, but I think that was, I mean, it's, it was genuinely moving. And you don't we don't get that in this genre very much. And then on top of that, I think the monster design itself is just excellent. Yeah. And yeah, it, it it is one of the few where, you know, aside from, you know, maybe King Kong, Mothra, 
um, you know, Godzilla Jr., where you do have a really kind of significant and meaningful bond between a human and a giant monster. That's still something that we don't see very often. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, because they're they're both blind, and uh, it makes the 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 horn sort of sound, and she plays the biwa, so it's yeah, there's a nice duality between them. Is the monster supposed to be blind? I thought so. Yeah, that's I what thought. I. But I feel like I heard him say that. I feel like I remember Sato saying that more than I remember it being reflected in the movie. But he's got those like hollowed out eyes, kind of. Yeah, like, the, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely there's definitely visual cues for it. Um, and then he's the 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 creature has these like uh, I guess it's just like uh, stuff that it's like it's on his back. It's like a pile of sticks and algae and stuff i guess that's just kind of like if you ever yeah. see a really old turtle how they have like crap that's just like stuck on them i guess is that what that's supposed to be like essentially that's what i took it as it's just, it's just like this it's this like ancient creature basically right yeah um gives a good sense of how large it's supposed to be also yeah yeah um yeah, that's a, that's a cool bit of detail too. That like, yeah, something that size, and it's you know, it's something that um, it's just a, a little detail, right? And it's it's just, it's like it's one of those things that like, um, you know, a lot of fans would want like an entire movie about this, but like it's just this cool little detail, right? Something that size wouldn't be like clean. Like it would have like shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And. And so, yeah, like just to have that little detail to be like, yep, like this thing is huge and you're never going to be able to just get a clean look at it because it's going to have like stuff all over it. Like when you think about like whales have barnacles all over them, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird that nobody uh, ever really um, did that with Godzilla, right? After so many movies, you'd think that someone would think of that, right? Or would the fans be like, I don't like how he has algae. It's a bad design. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> that's exactly how that works. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I can't praise this film enough, and I really hope it gets some kind of distribution. I mean, um, I don't know if... Avery Guerrera or the guys at SRS are listening, but, like, this is, like... This is one that that is special, and uh, I hope that <laughs> someone picks it up. Um, they've been doing a great job with really getting behind all these indie tokusatsu kind of kind of films and getting them Blu-ray releases, even if it's a limited edition thing. If they don't meet whatever goal, like this would be a great one to add to that to that line. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I really hope other people get a chance to see it. Um, and, uh, yeah, when this virus is maybe, I mean, at this point, nothing's going to get released until this damn virus is, you know, done. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I just can't praise this enough. I think, uh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, like I said, my only complaint is like, I, I could have just hung out in this movie for 90 minutes, yeah. you know, like, like I, I could have had this be like a. You know, I I feel like one of the best comparisons, um, especially for a, a filthy casual like me who doesn't, you know, I don't know the difference between the Meiji period and the Heisei period. Like, I mean, I do, but you know, yeah, that, I thought you were gonna say Meiji and Edo because those are both like way, way, <laughs> way back. But then you're like, oh, I don't know the period, the difference between the Meiji period and the one that just ended like last year. <laughs> I'm just, I, I mean, I'm just, you know, so like. Like the, the the nearest comparison point for me to this is like a like a a Daimajin movie, you know, and like I could have dealt with this being like exactly like a Daimajin movie where you've got a ninety minute movie and fifteen minutes of the monster, you know, like um, it's just it's so strikingly beautiful. There's a real poetry to it, um, and uh. It was, you know, I remember when we when we saw the uh, the sizzle reel being like, "Ooh, hope 
hope that gets sorted out. One of the things that, you know, was, was a little rough about it was like, there were those like interstitial title cards and, uh, they were, they were very, uh, hard to read. <laughs> like they were the, like, it was like, cause he was finishing it like on the plane as he was coming over. And yeah, then, he's like, I'm still working on it even though I'm here. <laughs> yeah. He like, didn't have time to, uh, to get the timing right on these title cards. And like, there was like a paragraph of, of information on this that went by in like two seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that all got sorted out, but you know, it's like, yeah, I, I could just, I could have just hung out in the world of this movie and in the atmosphere of this movie for, for 90 minutes. Like, it's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's, it, it really scratched an, this and, and Buddha really scratched an itch for me where I was like, like, it, it kind of calmed me a little bit because it was like, <laughs> there are still good new ideas and people out here that are willing to try new things. It was like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be taken care of, you know? And so it really just made me feel like, okay, well, these are the things that I'll lo really look forward to. Like, am I curious about Godzilla versus Kong? Sure. But like, these are the things where it's like, Knowing these guys, there are guys out here like this that are doing these things, and they want to get it out to the world. I mean, that is very uh, comforting to me. And and then, I mean, having Morase involved is just a cherry on top because, I mean, he's he's still doing this after the his first feature was Varan, which is the fifties, and now uh, he's still he's still making monsters when he can. You know, even if it's coming onto some little indie project like this, he's, yeah, that's awesome. And and I believe that G-Fest Sato said it, he was in the monster suit, correct? Am I remembering that right? I think so. Yeah, I think someone asked him who who was in the suit, and he, he was like, yeah, that was, that was me. Um, and the year before last, it when Marase was at G-Fest, they brought the big nebula head and uh it had like the remote controls in it and stuff like that and you got to like walk up and and, and see it up close along with like um his replica for varan and um uh and that was all all really cool so um yeah so how many um mothers stabbing their children's eyes do you give this out of five um i'm gonna go four and a half and I think some the, the two things that bother me about it may not even really be the fault of the movie, but rather the circumstance that was in one is obviously limited budget. And I, there were some scenes that I thought they moved from one thing to the next a little bit too quickly. Um, and I, and I, I can't remember. I had like two or three examples, but there were a couple of times when I thought, OK, they could have fleshed this out a bit more. But I think that's more due to, hey, they had time constraints and budget. The other thing that bothered me is not the fault of the movie at all. It was some of the subtitling. It just needed to be like on the screen a little bit longer, and I think it could have brought more clarity yeah. for what was going on. Uh, if, if, it gets, if it gets a more I'm mainstream, re yeah, if it gets a more mainstream release, I'm sure that'll be polished up. But I think that that was something that again, not not a fault of the movie, but it affected my initial viewing experience. But like the atmosphere, this movie really shows that some of the again looking at king of the monsters specifically but some of the that those kinds of films are a bit hollow because this movie has such depth by comparison and i could i'm with tom in the fact that i think we could have gotten additional character moments and and very little additional monster moments and it would have actually i would have i would have loved every second of it so it's it's four and a half highly recommended i can't say enough good things about it um I'm right there with you. I'm going to do a four and a half, probably for a few different reasons. Um, some of it might have been some of the subtitles, but uh, there were a few things that it took me, because I've now seen this, I've, I've watched this about three times now. Um, and I know after the first time, um, I even asked you guys, and I think Kevin was the one that directly responded to me, but there were a few things I didn't really pick up, uh, more in regards to the backstory. I mean, the and in, in watching it again, I mean, the, it, it's all there, but it's all in visual cues like um instead of stating what's quote unquote wrong with the girl like they sh sh there's a close up of her big blue eyes um things like that things that didn't really um 
I didn't quite pick up on what I was being told the first time I watched them. And then, you know, the second time kind of being able to pick up on it a little bit better. So just a little bit more clarity in that regard, um, is maybe the one thing that I would ask a little bit more for. Other than that though, I mean, um, I've every viewing that I've had, I've enjoyed it more. I've picked up on more. I mean, there's a lot of things, uh, certain subtleties that come out on repeat viewings. And so it's very rewatchable too. Um, and yeah, just, I don't just love it because it's different from stuff that we've seen. I mean, the watercolory flashbacks, the puppets, um, the monster, the story is all very original, but just beyond that, um, I think it's just an, a knockout effort for something with very little money and, uh, along with, you know, the, the director, you have this, this tokusatsu legend working on the creature and for a movie that was made with a crew of, I mean, you could probably count the amount of people, behind the scenes making the thing on one hand i mean yeah look it, at the credits yeah the credit there's like th three names in the credits beyond the, <laughs> the voice actors so i mean i just think it's a remarkable achievement and um i hope it gets a more mainstream release everywhere but um in the states in japan i mean it deserves to be seen and you know hopefully um we get some more from uh Daisuke Sato because um this just shows that he is uh he's he's got um a lot of ideas and this is just one short film I'm sure the guy give this guy some money and put him to work and I'm sure he's got all kinds of stuff up his sleeve so four and a half yeah, when's the last time, when's the last time we we started talking about a movie and the more we talked about it the more we started to like it <laughs> on and... this podcast <laughs> yeah, that's not a... <laughs> and and the more layers we peeled back the more we found interesting and beautiful about it uh and and you know not it, it, it wasn't like peeling back an onion you know like um yeah that's i mean i'm i'm at a four and a half also uh it it's it's gorgeous um that is like my favorite thing about it is just the look and the feel. I mean that the, the look and the feel alone like put it at like a four, you know, like just just being that unique and that different. Um, and then it goes over the top with with some atmosphere and some emotion. Um, yeah, it's not perfect. It's got all the problems that Matt and Bird said, um, and those are just I mean those are just kind of facts. Um, you know, I think whoever subtitled it was probably a uh, a native Japanese speaker who is fluent in English. Uh, we've talked about it before. Like the best translators are always like native speakers in the tongue that are fluent in the in the the tongue they're translating from. Um, and that I think you know would go a long way towards getting better subtitles here. Is if you had like a native English speaker who's fluent in Japanese translating it because. You know, picking up like idioms and things like that is just is just better um, for translation. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I I can't get enough of this movie. I would absolutely like adore seeing it on a, a pristine looking like Blu-ray print. You know, I mean that would be awesome. Um, Avery and or SRS, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> I, I'll I'll pre-order my copy. You know, like. Um, this, this, and, and yes, uh, I really hope whatever happens that, that we get to see more and psh, I don't, I don't even care if it's Kaiju. Like, I just want to see more from Daisuke Sato. Like he's a clearly a unique, interesting voice with some interesting things to say and, uh, and his, cinematography and everything has this poetic quality to it that I am down for. So I, I can elaborate a little bit about the subtitles because they do have some problems. Have, and... his, uh, have you showed this to Amanda? Yeah, we, okay. we watch it together. Um, you know, there's, and we both actually know the, um, uh, Amanda and I both know the guy that did the translation, um, Eric, 
so shout out if for some reason he's listening um uh but uh our our hypothesis is that maybe the script changed or there were some there were some tweaks or something that happened between drafts because there's there are some strange things where like the character on screen will say four years and the subtitle will say six years and you'd just be like that's not a mistake you would make, right? Um, oh. And then there's a lot of phrasing where, you know, uh, it'll say, like, him saves her, or someone's decoying him out, and you're like, that doesn't sound like something a native English speaker would translate. So I think that maybe there was some, uh, you know, Sato or somebody else was was doing some editing after the fact, uh, because there's, there's a lot of subtitles that sort of uh, get a little bit uh, wonky like that. But again, this is, you know, an initial release uh, for the Kickstarter backers, and I'm hoping that uh, something a little bit more deluxe comes out down the road and they sort of iron out stuff like that. Uh, My other gripe was the... I I got the DVD version, so I don't know if the Blu-ray version is like this, but there's a lot of sort of... Cheapskate. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I I know. Yeah. I, I, I should really invest more in every Kickstarter campaign. That's the <laughs> sound decision to make. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, the uh, DVD yeah, transfer uh, isn't the greatest, but, yeah, yeah. The, that's... So, yeah, I mean, spring for the Blu-ray always, I guess, is the, the moral. So I'm, I am wondering how, how it looks sort of more pristine. Uh, I know there's a lot of green screen effects uh, that... Some of that can get hid hidden uh, by the sort of blockier, low, lower resolution type of stuff. So I'm wondering how that looks when it's uh, nice and 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 really high def. And the the trailers on YouTube are better resolution than the DVD has. So, um, you know. Speaking of YouTube, if he puts it out again, I'll buy it again. So yeah. no yeah. question. Yeah, speaking of YouTube, there are lots of trailers, lots of behind-the-scenes clips, lots of um, editing, uh, comparison clips. There's all kinds of stuff they've uploaded, so um, you can kind of check that out, uh, too. Um, so, Kevin, what would you, what, where's your n- numerical uh, rating at here? Uh, for the movie itself, I'm, I'm with you guys uh, of, of 4.5. I, you know, I, I feel like... For the, for what I've seen, it might be a four, but it's easily, uh, it's, it's a strong four, leaning towards a four point five, and and with that, you know, just a little bit more ironed out release where I can really see the special effects in their in their full glory. I think uh, it will be a four point five. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think we've we've gushed about this thing enough. Uh, yeah. If anyone that has a chance to see this, um, take it. Uh, whenever oh, and we should mention that there's an action figure because it's somebody uh, commented that, <laughs> that I did it that I didn't bring it up on my blog post about the movie. Yeah, uh, what I, I th- it looks pretty cool actually. Yeah, yeah, and of, of course that's also like the first question anyone had for him at G Fest was <laughs> I like, think that's true. Yeah, so "Where's the toy?" That. And he's like, "I were maybe working on it." Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, and then right. the second question was like, uh, "Will he fight Godzilla one day?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was one. And then there was Sato uh, was like, "Ah," uh. he was like, "Ah, uh, that would be cool." <laughs> and inside, he's like, "Someone help me." <laughs> this is giving me PTSD from all those interview questions. That the, whenever you open up a Q and A to the public, it's just. Somebody should have just asked him, have you considered violating any other copyrights? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, that's all from Beyond the Fog. I hope everyone gets a chance to see it at some point. Um, it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it, whenever it gets a more mainstream release, we'll we'll probably be uh, throwing up links to this podcast and saying hey you should go back and re-listen now but okay so um that that's all she wrote for that anyone we good be good all right good Good night everybody 
Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.